Hey, Mark. How's it going? Hey, what's up, Justin? Uh, it's uh, going pretty good. Yourself? Terrible. I, I've, I do not. I have zero progress, and I have nothing to report. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, maybe maybe an interesting story at least. But uh, <laughs> um, let's see. I guess I'll take through mine then. Uh, health wise. Yeah, I made it out running twice. Um, remember last week I didn't at all because I pulled my Achilles a little bit and was a little yeah. little afraid of that. But lots of stretching. This week went twice. All is good. Uh, also did two uh, body weight, like uh, weight training exercise sessions in the park. Oh, nice. And Wait, 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 wait. Um, weight training session in the park. How does that work? So basically, all I, I don't go to a gym or anything. All I do is I go to a park near where I live, and they have like various uh, like exercise stations. It's mostly older people, but anyone oh. can use them. Cool. And I do uh, dips and pull-ups and some uh, modified pull-ups where basically uh, the dip bar is here, and you're supposed to be doing this. But yeah. I, I hold on to the, uh, the bars uh, of the dip bar with my my hands and just dangle, so I'm almost horizontal. And then I I do, um, you know, what's I don't know maybe eighty percent of as hard as a pull up that way. It's like basically okay. doing a row using your body weight. Yeah. So all it's <laughs> all I do is is just body weight stuff. And given how much I weigh, you know, it's actually a pretty good workout. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So Phoenix Igniter has gotten some some more traction. Awesome. Um, I did give it away for free to most of the people that would have been interested, which were my, my alchemist camp paying subscribers, but I've got 11 sales on it now and more than a hundred people signed up to hear about updates that are, you know, asking me about it and emailing. And I think uh, once, once I've just about gotten all the features that I've, I've uh, kind of drawn as a, a line that'll define it's out of alpha and into beta. Mm-hmm. Once I've just about got all those done, I'll send a couple emails and I bet a lot of people will jump in to get in before the price doubles. You're making some great progress on that. So 11 sales, what's that, what's that total then? Uh, 660. Fantastic. I uh, got a kind of weird thing that happened as well. Uh, yeah. There's this, uh, this site that I've never heard of uh, that retweeted or that tweeted Phoenix Igniter, which has almost no followers, like the yeah. Twitter account just for, for the new product. Hmm. And it was like, one of the fastest growing startups this week. I was like, <laughs> what the heck is this? And I clicked through and it says, uh, so basically the site, uh, it just hooks into Indie Hackers API. So it was because I listed this as a product and connected my revenue via Stripe it just happened that the week cutoff for my first customer or the week cutoff uh, was right after my first customer bought. So it set, you know, had my MRR going from $60 a month to 660. Oh, wow. Even though it's cool. one off sales and not MRR. So that's great. So it's like a 10, it's like a 10 X uh, yeah. growth. So it's like, Whoa, because of the day that I, I launched it. So I was, I was ranked at number eight and some of the, I mean, one of the ones ahead of me was like, uh, had made a total of $50, but they were up a hundred percent or they were up some larger amount. So interesting. Uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. So, so there's, uh, I don't know how much of an SEO benefit that is, 
but there's some, you know, weird benefit just to being on indie hackers and having your, your revenue reporting hooked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, do you find that the indie hacker community, have you, have, have you ever sort of gotten any leads from that community? Oh, it's pretty bad for me that way. In, in fact, yeah, okay. um, I, I think for the most part, I spent too much time on the website. I was like really trying to help people out and answer questions a lot. And for the most part, I think pe- most of the people there mm-hmm. are trying to sell you their own thing. So okay. you can basically ask anything. And the answer is try out my products. <laughs> um, see if it works for you. Yeah. That's, I, and, and it's because a lot of people are like, they just see the site as a growth channel. Yeah. And, and there are some genuine uh, just newbies looking for help, but Elixir is really niche. You know, like, like I think if I were teaching like HTML and CSS or something, indie That's hackers cool. would yeah. be really useful. But, yeah. or if I were just doing anything that wasn't such a small niche. So um, Hacker News is a lot better actually. Like I, yeah. I commented on uh, a random rust tutorial that i thought was well made it was like how to it was like this learn rust by making a markdown converter yeah it's like this this simple command line thing and it like it teaches you a whole bunch of stuff through building a a project and it was very um it it was very different than most rust tutorials i've seen Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on like the the kind of difficult things about the language, like having six types of pointers and the different, you know, like uh, just all the borrowing rules and stuff. This was just like, Hey, let's make this thing and build up your confidence and then, you know, make more and then get more confident. And what, I, what is I'm, Rust's reason for existence? Uh, it's basically safety. Uh, so it's like the, it gives you all the control of C or C plus plus. Um, but even without a memory manager, you can be sure that your app is memory safe because it's got, uh, it's got a concept called borrowing. So if you have, uh, so, so if you have a, a, a variable which owns, say owns like some, uh, some bit of memory, uh, you can have any number of immutable references. So, so I could have like, you know, 10 different variables that are actually all just constants pointing to some value or you can have one mutable reference and that's it and then if you want to have multiple mutable references you have to keep track of like which one is responsible for that memory and there's a concept called borrowing and lifetimes it's it's not well, a like super why for example language, is that but, better than you know php or, or ruby on rails or you know ruby oh well you can't do that at all uh, so, so like Ruby and PHP are both, they both have garbage collection. They, they both manage the memory for you. That sounds like a good thing. Uh, how, wh- how is that? So it's like, why do people ever use C++? Like, why isn't, you know, why isn't Mac OS written in Ruby? Why isn't right. Mozilla, like, why isn't the Firefox browser written in, in Ruby? Well, it's, it's because they needed more performance they were doing everything in C++. And as you talked about on your previous, uh, or like really old show on texting, mm-hmm. you were saying like, uh, like, you are not smart enough to do concurrency in C++. And, and it's, it's gotten way better you know, over the years, but it's really 
really easy to make some mistake um, when you're managing your own memory. Got it. So it's that kind of app. It's those. It's it's like a like a sort of highly threaded, um, really fast, doing a lot of stuff type of app that you want that. To, yeah. That you for. so you can basically get guarantees of safety, and it's it's been a big deal for Firefox because uh, before they were kind of afraid to write any code that was that was uh, multi-threaded. But with Rust, they can just do it fearlessly because the compiler is guaranteeing that they don't have any you know, memory leaks. They don't have any arrays going out of bounds or anything like that. So wait, Firefox is written in Rust? Huge part of it is more and more of it is. Like the oh. first they did the uh, CSS rendering and it, they've been gradually making more and more parts of it written in Rust. So Rust is then transpiled to another language? Or is it, no, is it, no. it's, it's compiled straight to bytecode? Yeah, it, it makes binaries. And okay. it's, uh, it's an especially good fit for Elixir programmers because uh, Elixir is really good at concurrency and it's really good at um, like fault tolerance and that kind of thing. It's not good at like a single uh, processor execution speed. Like there's a bunch of number crunching stuff you would do on the JVM, but you would never do on the Erlang virtual machine. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they write something called a NIF, a natively invoked function in C traditionally. The thing about it though is, is like the, the, uh, the reason to use Erlang or Elixir is you know that this thing is rock solid, stable, even more stable than Java. You're, you know, you're, 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 app dies, it'll have a supervisor that starts it up again. But if you write a NIF, like natively invoked function in C, and you screw up, and yeah. you, get, you get some kind of uh, um, crash, it can take down the entire Erlang virtual machine. And so you just lose the one thing that you picked the language for. But you could do that same thing in Rust and have safety guarantees. And that's why Discord uses Rust for uh, uh, certain things they need optimized, even though the rest of their, their server is in Elixir. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's cool. It's, Thanks. For the, it's cool. It's, Rust is also it. growing fast. Hmm. Interesting. It's, uh, it's a pretty, it's a neat language. It's, it's, it's very modern. The tooling is really good, really easy to work with, like on Windows or Mac or Unix. Yeah, well... Um... My own, for my, I mean, my my real report. I guess it pretty much is what I said. You know, I, I don't have that much. I my blood sugar was a terrible. I did really bad. Um, I because I I guess I had a couple of bottles of wine, so drinking was. So I'm I'm really not going to drink for the next month. Um, so yeah, for sure, my goal is to just like keep that blood sugar down for the next week. The health, yeah. Um, and then you know with 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 nugget i just had to stop because it was just well first of all the alcohol second mm. of all um not enough sleep i did, did really bad sleep for the last week as well like four hours a night um third of all i got completely hooked into my kids games um, i got super hooked into this game called skyblock um so basically in in skyblock what you do is you start off with just a few blocks in the sky it's your island and mm -hmm. you've got some wheat, and this this. Oh, you mentioned this last time, yeah. Yeah, well, I I didn't realize I how addicted further. I was going to get to it. 
Um, but anyway, I got super addicted and I basically built giant carrot farms and iron smelters. And so, for example, they have, they have this, yeah. one, this one issue where, where okay, so, so the, the largest chest that you can get to store the iron that you make. Okay, well, first of all, let's just start from scratch. A basic person creating iron in this game has to mine some, go through the portal, find some iron mines, mine the iron, and then you get iron ore. Then you bring the iron ore back to your island, and you, hold, you hover it over your campfire, and it smelts it into an iron bar, right? Okay. So that's kind of like a very laborious process. Well, as you play the game, you realize that what you can do is you can get these, to- these things called totems that you carry back to your island, and then they drop iron blocks. So then you mine them, you get the iron uh, ore, you put it over the campfire. But like then, then you, can bu- you can basically buy a building bench tier three, and you can build conveyor belts. And then if you put a totem next to a conveyor belt, the iron ore just drops straight off it. And now you've got iron ore dropping off. off. But here's the thing. The final thing is you can get an industrial smelter (laughs) where you can put an industrial smelter on the conveyor belt. The iron ore goes through it and turns into an iron bar. Now the problem is they disappear after about 15 seconds unless you get them. So you need a chest to store them. A collector, yeah. So they have a chest, but it only stores 40. So then it's like, like okay, this. so you can only store 40. So then what I did was the final thing, and this is, I think I'm done with it now. I built like a, a 10 block high thing with the iron ores and the chest. And basically what it does is it, it fires it down. And then I put 11 chests below and I made it so that the iron ore bounces randomly around and lands on a different conveyor belt of each of these oh, different okay. chests. So it stores 440 iron ore. So, so there was a game I played in 2015 <laughs> called Factorio, where like what you're describing was a core mechanic. It's like you've got okay. things mining things and putting them on conveyor belts and like all kinds of complex logic. So you know your your conveyor belt is taking a, a resource input, putting into a machine that makes another output, and and I got super into it for a few weeks, and I realized it was too much like work. Yeah, it's like. It's, it's like taking so much time. Yeah, conveyor yeah. belts and boxes. And oh my gosh. What was that called? Factorio. Factorio. Yeah. But I guess it's like a, its own standalone thing, right? Or on Steam or yeah. something? Yeah. It was... Uh, so this, this was like 2015. It was, it was like a, some independent team in Eastern Europe somewhere, I think, made it. And it's, it's really creative. It's really interesting. Um, and, it, and it was well done and it wasn't expensive or anything. Mm. And, and I think it's only grown gradually over time, but it's definitely in that like um, supply chain optimization <laughs> niche of game. So another thing that was keeping me addicted to this game was I felt like I could be a winner. Like I had got, cause you can see how much everyone's earned, how much cash. So you, yeah. you grow your crops um, through the, the industrial stuff that you build and then you sell them and then you make a certain amount of money. So I was in the region of around 250,000, 350,000. I was usually the, whenever I was playing, I was usually the leader. A couple of people might come in now, they had like a million or something and I'm like, yeah, I could probably beat you, you know. I was thinking, oh, okay, I'll dangerous. do that. But then, like, I think it was last night or maybe the night before, no, the, night, the day before, I'm playing and I see someone with 79 million. And I'm like... <laughs> 
okay, no, no, I'm I'm done. Like I'm not invested well, to the have... level where I have to try and get seventy nine million. That is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. You have jobs and businesses, so it's kind of hard to compete. <laughs> right. Like that was probably some like seventeen year old. I'm like, how did you get seventy nine million? He just said, I made a really big farm. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> holy crap, a big farm. Jeez. Yeah. So anyway, so that's been that's been getting me and um. I told you about Naval Warfare, that, that robot yeah, game. Yeah, right? you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, I love that game too. So I, I'm just doing a bit more gaming than I expected because of my kid. So that's, yeah. take, that's a new tangent that's taking up actual hours, but I think that I'm over the addiction of the, of the Skyblocks one. Skyblocks. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like something you can't do every week that much, but it's not entirely negative either since it's a good, good bonding activity. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, then with, with Taskflow, I haven't gotten a look in. I did do a podcast with Jason um, nice. the, day before, the day before yesterday, which I have to get edited. Um, and he really liked the look of Taskflow. I'm just, I've got to get back into it. But before I do that, I've got to finish the Nugget course. It's just, it's just cracking and I'm stuck because every, each page of the Nugget course, which is like a, this seven-page course, I sit down to write it and I think, okay, this is now the context of this course. It's kind of different to the main academy. And so I kind of have to start from scratch. And then it's just coming up with the new concepts and new material and new, new ways to frame something. You know, like I framed the founder context through the level up, you know, uh, mm -hmm. metaphor. That just takes ages to think of each new one, you know. So yeah. it's so slow to do seven lessons. Do you find that? Do you find it difficult to, 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 to sort of create from scratch versus build on stuff you've already thought about it depends i think it's often easier to go from scratch it's but the thing is if, if you're making every single lesson have some some clever metaphor like that's going to be hard that's going to be a lot of work and i well, don't see most courses like that they'll have well, like one or two big ones it's not about i'm not specifically saying i have to have a metaphor for every lesson what i'm thinking is okay, I really want them to understand this concept. Mm -hmm. So how, what can I say that is going to really help them understand it? Because I find that it just goes over people's heads. And, you know, I've tried all sorts of different ways. So I'm really thinking through, okay, market. How do I really get this market concept across, you know? Um, and that's what I mean, sort of starting from a blank page. It's like, you know, that's, it's just... Yeah, I... I, yeah, it's it's a hard one for sure. I, I think for most people starting out, it's probably better to like pick a bad market and a mediocre thing and just get something out there, and then be like, okay, so what didn't work here, and then then oh, kind of for sure. go back. I've, I'm I'm firmly convinced now that everyone, anyone starting out, the the first thing that they should do is just release something, very small, very quickly. Because I realized that's what I did. I didn't even think about it, but that's what I did. You know, like you you build something and you put it out there and you start interacting. Like when we start when we when we did started with texting, we started doing some blog. We had like a blog competition. You know, oh, just start, I we that. just sort of yeah. writing blog posts, see who could get the most views. You know, that was great. Like that was our first sort of getting something out into the market. It kind of turned into like a hacker news competition. Yeah, and then which of course Jason won. But not, but not by a huge margin. 
I think he won of, on volume because he put he had like three big posts on Hacker News, and I think I just had like one. Was that Double Dollar? No. Oh, I, I mean, Double Dollar did okay, but the big one that I had that had like kind of got a thousand points was um, it was like uh, something about stu- about uh, indie ha- indie hacker type stuff. Uh, I can't remember okay. the name of it right now. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, you just you just reminded me uh, that that thread where I commented on the Rust tutorial that I thought was good. Yeah. Just some random stranger popped because I I like complimented the author and the author was like oh thanks and then some random stranger jumped in and was like hey that you know that's Alchemist Camp who's like making all these tutorials on Elixir <laughs> and the author was like oh cool you know oh so, well that's cool well that's right you get into a, the community that's really nice well it's a I would just it would just brought me back to the the thing where that's like a good good place for my niche yeah, yeah. and I suspect actually I suspect for you like for Nugget. They're both probably really good, like indie hackers and hacker news both. Yeah. Yeah. Um let's see. So uh yeah, so so I guess yeah, you had a kind of rough week, busy, a lot of a lot of non uh, non side project stuff. Yeah. Well how many listeners we got? Uh that's hard to say. Like I, I so on on the stats that I can get from Pinecast. We're getting about fifty less listens per podcast. Okay, and I have probably greatly harmed that by being so slow to publish them. Because if anyone looks in their podcast player, they'll see like our most recent episode was like six weeks ago or something. Well, you know, um, yeah, that's no, that's cool. So, what what was our most recent? It's like se- seven is published. Eight. Like no, I published eight, eight right published after we finished recording, and we're about to, we're on fourteen now. I think yeah, yeah, and I just um, finishing up nine, like in the in the uh, editing. Jason listened to the show. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's um, he didn't have too much to say about it. I just described it, and I said, you know, we're um, we're just a mastermind, and uh, we're uh, we're accountability partners. And Jason said, "I ain't nobody's accountability partner." <laughs> Whatever <right>. that means. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, yeah, well, he yeah he he seems seems like he likes to go like deeper into a rabbit hole like all his all his like startupy things at least that he talked about in your podcast were like these long term deep efforts like App Igniter for example yeah or like uh, I guess I don't maybe you didn't even talk about the other one that was before the podcast but uh, um, yeah so. What was I thinking there? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, yeah the the listenership is just like I, I think it's injured by me doing that. YouTube is still like gradually growing. That's up to like twelve subs now. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I personally I think the YouTube one is the is the one that we should be thinking if if, th- if we're thinking about anything. I think YouTube. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think what would really make the YouTube one grow is. Uh, if I just took some extra time at some point and like probably after it gets a certain amount of growth, I'll be more motivated to do this, but just start mining like clips, like an interesting three minute clip, make make each like mental model into its own video, not like making new content, but literally just the clip from that's a good talk. Yeah. Just mental model ones. Yeah. Just, just like a sub, would you do that as a sub channel or would you just do that as like a definitely same channel? 
same channel. The same channel. With same um, channel, it would be a playlist. Okay, I see. How and every single one of those videos would be this was excerpted from you know episode okay. seven or episode eight. You know whatever. Well, that is a good good growth idea. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I've seen so many so many like YouTube podcasts do that, and it works. So, mm. speaking of mental models, yeah, um, I have one I would like to share. This is from one of my favorite authors, Annie Duke, who I would very much like to get on my YouTube channel, or maybe you should even have her on texting. Um, she used to be a professional gambler, like poker player, mm. and she's like become a, a consultant and written a few books, and they're all focused around decision making. Mm. And the idea that she talks about a lot in her previous book, um, not the she just made one that's called like How to Decide. But um, the idea that she's, she's talked about a lot for a long time is called resulting. And what that is, is it's when you've got some decision you have to make and then you have some outcome you want. And then based on the outcome, you decide this was a good decision or this was a bad decision. And it, it, it sort of makes sense why people would do that because you often don't have much information, but you can see by reducing it down to something very concrete like poker, how that could be really bad. Like let's say you're playing Hold'em and there are four cards on the board and you have two in your hand. Maybe you have like an ace of hearts and a three of hearts. And then of those cards that are showing, two of the four of them are hearts. So if one more heart comes up on the last card, you have the ace high flush and you know you're gonna win the whole hand. So then you can figure out like, oh, okay, so like there are 52 cards minus the six we see, that's 46, and 13 hearts minus the four I know of, that's nine. So it's about just like just under a 20% chance that that next card will make you win. So you could say, okay, the pot is 10 times as much money as it costs me to stay in or to bet, then obviously I want to do it because I have you know, a one in five chance of making 10 times the money. But if you, if you don't think about this carefully, you might just be like, oh, okay, yeah. So seeing this, I'm going to go for it. And maybe the pot is only twice what's, uh, what, what it costs you to continue. Mm. But you win, like just because, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Mm. Then you might be like, oh, that was a good decision. Or maybe you, you make the good decision, you stay in. Well, most of the time you stay in, you're going to lose because you're only going to get that last heart one out of every five draws. So it's obvious that whether or not it was a good decision for you to stay in has nothing to do with whether if you end up winning, Hmm. right? But Hmm. it's so many, so many situations where it's just a bit murkier, like say in a company, people will see how something went. And then based on that, say it was either a good decision or a bad decision to have done the experiment or to have, you know, tried something. So, so what's the so what is the mental model? She calls it resulting. But I mean, I mean like, what is the concept more than what is model. the what is the training? Like, what is the takeaway? The takeaway. You probably just is, said it to me, and I didn't understand it. I th- so the I, so the take. Yeah. Go ahead. So the takeaway is you don't know if your decision was right or not based on the result of it. Okay. Because there's so, some. So basically, the. Of, the so the so the what well, the, the the wisdom here is don't count your sort of chickens kind of concept it's like just be, just be, just because you've measured a good result doesn't actually mean it was a good good result 
It means you can make a bad decision and get lucky and have a bad result, or you can make or have a good result, even though it's a bad decision, or you can make a good decision and get unlucky and have a bad result, but the bad result doesn't mean it wasn't a good decision. So it means, it means think about was this a good decision based on the probabilities you had instead okay. of did things work and therefore you know whether if it was a good decision based on the result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's gambling, isn't it? That's, that's, that is, yeah, that is all gambling. about gambling. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. Cool. Does she have any visuals with it or anything like that? Well, I, I just read her books, so mm. I don't know, oh, but she might, perfect. she might, I, I got the Kindle version. So <laughs> she might, uh, she might have something online. I, I don't even know if she's on YouTube. Huh. So is that something that I could plug into Taskflow? That kind of thing? Maybe. I, I, I think that would be a niche feature. Okay. Like you could plug that into like your own decisions of like, should I do a nugget launch or was this a good idea to do mm. task flow or something? Like just be aware that like, did, was it really a good decision or did I just get lucky? So have really you, bad have you used resulting in your life? Oh yeah. Like once I read that book, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this all the time. Like I, I'm attributing so many things to my choices that were really just kind of like random probability. Mm. And it's so easy to do that. It's like, yeah. it's like, you know, you play, you play a video game and you try one strategy and it works. You're like, Oh, that was a good choice, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe the, the person you played against was just completely unprepared for that one thing. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. You just, you just sort of attribute, attribute uh, random factors to your success. This is what, this is something that I, I think, you know, when I, a lot of times when I speak to a founder and I'm like, man, you really rocked it. Like, how did you do it? Like a lot of times they'll say, you know what? There was a lot of luck. <laughs> yeah. A lot of luck. Yeah. Well, you know, I, the I think right it's, time. <laughs> and it's the, useful to know that too. Right. Yeah. Especially f like for an investor. I think an investor is the, like, that's, that's basically the same kind of deal as a poker player because they have to make all kinds of choices on incomplete information and, there's a huge amount of luck, but if, if someone gets lucky and then they're like, aha, this is because I am brilliant. Like that, that's just like the, the surest sign that they're going to lose all their money soon. So I think that's a reason why, why Paul Graham's strategy of just investing in people rather than ideas is quite a good strategy and it's proven to be quite good over the time over the years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you could invest in, like a, a thousand different Patrick Collisons and a thousand different universes and 999 yeah. are going to do really well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think there's, and they probably just got really good at recognizing, you know, pattern matching what those kind of people look like. Yeah. Know? I think they did that. And they also, uh, they also were giving good advice, you know, early on. And then maybe now the big thing is that they have such a network effect, right? Mm, yeah. Like, like I feel like getting into YC is like such a big thing now and so many companies will give you discounts and it increases your valuation so much. Like you could almost like have a kind of bad team, but like just still make it just on, on that, all that tailwind of, of the YC brand. Tailwind. Yes.
not Tailwind CSS, but that's that's another great thing. Uh, how long till our uh, our blog website goes live? That oh, sorry, is getting, po- podcast. That is getting close. So, uh, oh yeah, other half of my update is I yeah. did get a couple videos out for Alchemist Camp. Cool. And now I would like to share my screen. There we go. Can you see it? Hmm. Um, oh yeah. So this was the the Phoenix <laughs> Igniter thing. So cool. I just got this random tweet, and then boom, I'm at the bottom of this site here. Nice. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Growth for Alchemist Camp has been nuts since I since I launched Igniter. Like somehow I'm like I've just been getting more traffic and more. That's great. Everything. Did one video on it here that. Uh, got way over so so the gray range is like the average number of views in a certain period so like an average video would have like 120 to 170 now this has 637 wow uh, so so i got that published and i made one other podcast or not podcast i made one other video as well which was for the reactor site i updated live view again from version 0.8.1 to 0.12.1 because everything was broken, but it's fixed again. So all I need to do is get the comments done, hopefully before any more breaking changes in live view and then launch it. Yeah, that's cool. Yep. So yeah, I'd love to see your progress. That, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy about it because they like just everything went up this, this past two weeks. I think there's almost a, a thing of like having a second product out there makes people see your first one really differently. <laughs> like, yeah. like I think instead of it being like, Oh, here's some, some guys thing. It's like, Oh, this guy makes things and here's mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. Getting a bit more uh, kudos. Yeah. So what, what is your, um, what do you, what's your goal for next week? Goal for next week is, uh, run at least three times oh, and nice. publish two more screencasts for Alchemist Camp and hopefully get two of these reactor episodes put up since and, uh, getting less the behind will help us. Website? How that long? may or may not get done in those two videos. Okay. Awesome. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a process. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Uh, cool. Well, um, you know, I, okay, my goals are I just got to get the course to review status, but I've got some day job stuff um, that I've really got to get nailed. So I think I got, I got a little bit behind on the day job stuff because of the, the, the boot camp, but I've really got to get that out. So I, I'm going to try super hard to get to review status by next Wednesday, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it because of the work. Um, and just try and keep up. Basically, you know, I'm not going to set a blood sugar goal or anything like that. Just no alcohol and sleep. Those, Those are both good goals. things. Those yeah. are my two goals. Sleep every night, get a decent amount, six, 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 seven hours and no alcohol for one week and see where we are. We might be in a better mood next week. All right. Sounds good then. Call it a show. Yeah, if that's all right. If that's all yeah, right with yeah. you. Yeah. All right, man. I will see you next week. All right.